0: We are in the middle of our series looking at some of the essentials of church um, that we gather as worshippers, that we grow as followers, but also today we give as servants. When I started writing this talk, I, I turned on my computer, as I always do, and I opened up Microsoft Word. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Microsoft Word. And when you turn on a computer and you begin to type... It automatically has chosen the font, type, and the size. It's, it's an automatic setting. And it will, it will look like the first line of that, the default setting. It will look like that automatically, unless I choose to change it. There are default settings In our lives, there are default settings, not just on computers and devices, but there are defaults of our culture. There are defaults of of our peer groups. There are defaults of our families sometimes. There can be very powerful forces that we just kind of, just by switching it on, just doing the normal things, we automatically inherit the default unless we choose design instead. It takes a decision to break out of the default. And that same is true for church. There is a default of our age, and it's shaped by the culture around us, which is a consumer culture, which turns us all into customers. Church, for many people, is just something that people go to. It is something that perhaps like a a service provider for religious activities and so, you know, you've been, you know, you've been shopping. We all do it, and, and, and I know I've I've done the same thing. Particularly when I was at university, We'd, we would go to we would go to one church for the worship <laughs> because we liked the songs in that church. We would go to another church for the teaching because it didn't always match. It had good worship, good teaching, and we went to another church for the food because they did a student lunch. And I was so I was your ultimate as a student. I was your ultimate consumer of church. I picked the thing that suited me best, and we—and you know what—we that's, that's that's not wrong in some ways. We've got to obviously look for somewhere where we need to we feel at home and we settle. And and I'm so glad that so many of you settled here, but there's a mentality that can be a problem for pursuing what God wants the church to be. If we come with the default settings of our culture, we will be asking this question. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? That's the question, isn't it? What am I getting out of this? What's in it for me? Why is that important? It's important because church is not a shop. It's a family. Can you imagine <laughs> when you go home today, wherever, wherever you're going home to, and you sit down and you, just say, you, you put your hand on the table and say, what's in it for me? Or would, you like, would you like to, um, um, children, would you just like to... Unload the dishwasher and just do some clearing up. And they turn around and say, well, what's in it for me? The answer is, you either do it or I'll let you know that something else is definitely in it for you. Can you imagine the kind of, the kind of family that we would have if everybody just said, what's in it for me? And they weren't focused on other people. We've got to choose a design rather than the default because the default is so strong. And it's really important because for us as a church, this is what Jesus wants. He wants all people to know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And, you know, I'm so glad, you know, every time I say this, that one of the, the, the hardest things to do is to get everybody back from the little conversations that we introduce midway in the service. Because people like each other around here. I think you do. Anyway, just yeah, smile at me. Just let me know. We like each other. We, there's a lot of love. And and me and Sarah have always felt incredibly loved in in this family, of the church. And so this this is all here already. But what we want to do is we want to just say we're going to pursue that by design. We're not just going to expect that it just carries on. Because if we don't decide to be a loving family that comes with an attitude to give and to love rather than to receive and to take, then we will automatically just slide into the consumer church. And we'll miss out on something that God has for us, something beautiful, to be a loving family. And I really believe that that is something that God has been leading us into. And we just want to just nail it to the wall and say, this is what we're pursuing together. So what do we need then if we're going to to be a family that deliberately chooses to, to love each other? Well, it comes down to this. It comes down to serving so today I'll just clip through that. Give as faithful servants. You know, our, our lives are a battleground for who is going to be at the center of the stage. You know, um, my daughter just the other day um, just had worked out this little dance routine with one of her friends. And as I was walking upstairs, she was kind of like, Daddy, 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 watch this. And it's just, it's just beautiful. And I had to sit there and stand there and watch this kind of routine. of I think it was more like a cheerleading kind of routine. And I had all this kind of like these movements and this spinning around and walking forwards and walking back. And it was very cute. And everything in her just wanted me to just to watch, to just say, you're important, you're valuable, you're precious. We all need to know that, don't we? And most of all, we need to know that from God. Uh, but our society around us doesn't know that from God, and so we're all we're, we're vying for attention. We're vying for the focus. Peter says this instead, this is how we are to pursue a loving culture. Serve with love, 1 Peter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. See, God calls us to turn the spotlight away from ourselves rather than onto ourselves. Away from ourselves. It's interesting, kind of, when you, if those of you who are on social media or um, Instagram or whatever, Facebook. It's very easy to look at that, and you just what you see again and again and again is people celebrating, often themselves. And it's not wrong, it's not bad. But what I'd love to see more is people celebrating others. I love the stories where you say, did you hear about this amazing thing that somebody did? And it's not so much kind of like, this is what I had for breakfast. Check me out, I'm having, I'm having my quiet time. I've got my Bible open, I've got my coffee there, and I'm taking a photo just to let the people know that I'm having a nice time with God by myself. It's like whatever it is, We've got to learn how to take the spotlight off ourselves and put it onto other people. And God calls us to persevere. The language of, of that is quite persistent. Above all, keep loving one another. Why would you say to someone, keep loving? Because, it's, because sometimes you, you stop, <laughs> right? Sometimes you, you just kind of drift. Keep, persevere, keep choosing to love. Keep loving one another, persevere earnestly, sincerely. You know, I've been talking about culture, and culture is often it's the way we just do things. It's the way that, that things just kind of happen, and and you either again, you either it's either a default thing or something you choose. And Peter gives us some really important things that just set a loving culture. First is this: it says, "Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude." Of sins, love covers a multitude of sins. I used to really get confused with this passage because i read it and I think, "Love covers over a multitude of sins." Isn't? Aren't you saying, "Let's just take all the wrong things and just sweep them under the carpet. Let's just sweep them. Let's just let's just forget about them. Let's just try. Let's try not to use the word sin. Let's not use that word. Let's let's not use the word sin. We'll just sweep that under the carpet. Love covers over a multitude of sins." But, but that can't be right because God is holy and he's perfect and he's pure. And Jesus came to die for those sins. Not to sweep them under the carpet, but to deal with them. So what does this thing covering over a multitude of sins mean? Well, this is what we go on to see in Psalm 32. This is a great key for us. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one Whose sin the Lord does not count against them. See, covering means forgiveness. Covering people's sins means forgiveness. If we are going to be a a church family where everybody brings their contribution, where everybody is using their gifts, where everybody is serving each other, we have to have a culture of forgiveness. We have to let people make mistakes. And not remind them of those mistakes every time they, they try and do it again. We have to have an attitude that covers over sin. You see, sometimes as we're, tr- as we're just growing in life, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to do things wrong. We're going to actually hurt people along the way. We, it happens. We, get, we, we offend others. I've, I've probably offended some people in the last couple of years and sometimes I'm, I'm sure that probably I've sinned and, and things have not come out right or I've said the wrong thing at the wrong time or I've, I've been critical or whatever it is in a conversation. You know, I, I need your forgiveness. We all need each other's forgiveness. We all need to put the spotlight on each other but not on the sins and the faults and the mistakes but to catch each other doing good, to encourage the good wherever you find it. So I'm I'm learning that this this could be a challenge. Halifax is a lot smaller place than than Huddersfield, and before then I was living in Leeds, and so I've kind of gone down to smaller towns as we've gone along. And one of the things I've learned is that in a smaller town, there's really good blessings of being in a smaller town. You see, word gets around quick. If someone's in need, people know about it. And and, and the more people I I meet, especially in the church circles, the more people I meet, I realize that so-and-so is related to so-and-so, And so as I grew up and went along to the same youth group as somebody else, and it's like, and everybody seems to know everybody. I really am an incomer. You know, I'm I'm really feeling it sometimes. Everybody knows everybody else. And there's a great strength of that. And the the strength of that is that you're you're known and you're noticed and you you can experience care and love and family. But there's a downside to that. You see, word gets around quick. And if someone makes a mistake or slips up or does something wrong, everybody knows about that too. Everybody knows what you did, what you let happen. Everybody knows when you tried and failed. And you're aware that people know about stuff. And that can make it very hard to try again. It can make it very hard to have another go at, at say, preaching because when you did, you are a nervous wreck and, oh, no we're doing that again. It can, it can be hard to, to have a go at sharing your faith when, when it went terribly wrong and the person went and spread a rumor about you and now you feel scared about sharing your faith again. It can be hard to try to use your gifts to serve others when in the back of your mind you're thinking, I better get it right. Better get it right because they're going to remember if we get it wrong. Friends, we need to have a loving, forgiving culture that says it's okay for someone to make a mistake. It's okay for someone to mess up. We'll encourage them, and if there's something they need to learn, if there's something they need to say sorry for, then we'll help them do that and be be brought back in so they can carry on and try again, keep going. See, we need not to be afraid of using our gifts. And I'm going to talk about gifts just in a minute, but it's really important that we maintain that attitude that just says, I'm going to just spur each other on. I'm going to encourage people. And if, and if they get it wrong or if they make a mistake, I'm going to just choose to forgive. And I'm going to help them carry on with God's grace to be better. I always remember the time when I, I think I was 16, I'd been playing the guitar for about two months and I knew four chords. And the, and the associate pastor in the church where I was growing up said, right, I want you to just kind of, you and the young people are going to lead worship tonight. And so we kind of like, I remember sitting on the stage, I sat down, didn't have a strap on my guitar, I didn't look at anybody, I just sat down and just played the basic rhythm. It was probably the most tedious time of worship you could ever imagine. And yet at the end, people came up and said, well done, keep going, keep going. Keep trying. They didn't point out the fact that I got, I was playing it in 6.8 when it was written in 4.4. You know, they didn't, they didn't point out, they just kind of just, they were just encouraging. First time I ever got up to, to preach, there was the, the pastor of the church was ill and he gave me his notes and he said, Mark, you're going to have to preach for me. And, and I got up and I read his notes and, and I wasn't, to be honest, listening to his sermon. And so I got out his notes and I think he probably pointed out to me where he got to, but I just kind of started at the top of the page and just carried on reading and I later realized that he would already done the top of the page and the middle of the page and almost to the end of the page And, and I just repeated everything that he said but what did people say to me afterwards? Thank you. Keep going. Have another go. They didn't come in with a critical spirit and say, Mark, you idiot. What were you doing? What were you thinking? Never do that again. That's what happens, isn't it? The critical word comes in, smash. I'm never going to step out of faith again. We've got to have a forgiving, loving culture to cover over, to forgive. to, to and, and I wonder, there might, be, there might be ways that you just need to forgive other people for their response to you and just decide that from now on you're just going to wipe the slate clean and you're going to say, I'm just not going to let what was said hold me back anymore. Not that we shouldn't listen to people. We're to speak the truth in love, to encourage, to sharpen each other up. But our default setting, (laughs) wrong word, our design setting is going to be to love each other, forgive each other, to give each other the benefit of the doubt, and to not come with a critical spirit that expects perfection every time. But we see people as human beings. And one of the ways that that leads to is hospitality. It says show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Well, that's an interesting phrase, without grumbling, kind of makes you imagine that people have been invited around for dinner or they've been welcomed, but they've been complaining that the, that the food is cold or, or this is too salty or, you know, whatever it is. No, this loving community needs to pursue an openness to one another that forgives, but also that will create a welcoming culture. Okay, so that's serving with love. Let's move on. Serving with gifts. As we read on, this is what Peter says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. God's varied grace. You see, we're we're servants, but we're also stewards of what God has given us. We're stewards of God's grace. This is an interesting phrase, grace, gift, charisma. And, And what it points to is the fact that the gifts that we have have been received rather than demanded. You know, we don't cry out to God and say, give, give me this. I want to be like them. God has given you, each one of you, gifts, and they're to be received. They're not earned. They're grace gifts. We can't look at somebody else and see their gifting and think they must, be, they must be way more holy than me just because they've got a, because they can play the guitar, because they can share their faith really easily with other people. Sometimes we have this idea that If somebody is gifted in a particular area, it must mean that they're more holy or they're more mature. It's not always the case. God's gifts are just given as a gift of grace, they're not earned. But they are to serve. We're not serving ourselves. We don't we don't discover our gifts to know what our identity is. This can be a really real big challenge because we're searching for something to kind of pin on our chest as a kind of this is who I am. I'm a preacher. I'm a worship leader. I'm a evangelist. I'm a whatever it might be. We love to wear the label, the gifting. But the label that God wants us to wear is that of who we are is that we're all children of God, right? And the gifting is given to us to serve other people, not primarily to be a badge of identity. We're stewards. It's our responsibility, but the gifts are not ours. And they're all different. God's varied grace. You see, God has given gifts to each one of us with the purpose of using them to serve one another. And if it's as if what God has done is he's kind of like given, you know, the bo- everybody like the box of celebrations. Who doesn't like celebrations here? Okay, you've got, imagine you've got your box of celebration sweets. And, uh, and you go around and you kind of, you offer it up and everybody, well, everybody picks them, don't they? You all know, pick the Maltesers first or whatever it is. And um, and it's as if God has got this box of celebrations and he's just thrown it out and said, right, everybody have, some, have something. Have one. That's yours, that's yours, that's yours, that's yours. That's yours, that's yours, that's yours. That's yours. You've, all, you've all got something. And they're all different and they're all valuable and all precious. But you've got something, each one of you. And it's as if he's distributed out his varied grace, but he hasn't given, every, he hasn't given Nigel the box and said, here, you've got it all. That'd be nice there, wouldn't it? You've got it all. What he's done is he's dished it out to each one of you and says, together, together you've got some gifts that you're going to celebrate. Together you've got something that you can use. There's another way that this is described in the Bible, not so much a box of celebrations, but the body of Christ. Let's read this together. 1 Corinthians 12. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, that's you and me, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be, as it is. There are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We, we, are, the, we are the eyes and the ears, the mouth and the nose. We get to be the body of of Christ, and no one can say to somebody else, "I don't need you." See, that's what consumer mentality says, doesn't it? I'm fine. I don't really, I don't really need you, and you don't really need me. I just want what I'm. I just want what I want. But a family looks at each other and says, "I'm going to be strong for you. I'm, you you be the eyes. I'll be." I'll be the ears you be the, you be the feet I'll be the hands let's do this together let's, let's be the body of Christ together let's together as we all play our part let's show everybody who Jesus really is because the body needs you and it needs you because you've got something that God has given you he's, he's given you a gift and, and if you're not using it it's missing can you imagine walking around and you think oh no I'm missing, my, I'm missing my toes, it's going to hamper me, it's going to be all right, I'm thinking about Elaine now, with a kind of like, your toes are doing much better now, aren't they, kind of like, after a little accident, and I need my toes, and you kind of, well, we kind of, we we'll plod along, we'll be okay, we'll muddle along, but then all of a sudden you realise, oh no, my leg's not working properly, and you're kind of like dragging your leg behind you, and thinking, imagine you're doing this, oh, it's alright, I don't really need my leg, will be fine, you know, surplus to requirements. And then you're kind of like, and your arm's not there and it's not working, and you kind of think, well, I'll be fine. You know, so you're hobbling along, you've got your arm behind your back. Can you imagine a body, of so many churches, I'm sure, limping along because people think that the church is just for consuming. They don't realize they've got a contribution to make. Praise God, I don't believe we're limping along at all. Because I know that so many of you are bringing your contribution. And all I want to say this morning is let's do that all the more. Let's do that all the more. Mother Teresa said this You can do things, I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. I like that. I just want to encourage you this morning just to realize that if you're a Christian here, God has given you gifts. And and he's he's brought you into the body, and he's given you an opportunity to make your contribution. And to do that in an attitude of love and and service, and it's not not about me, but it's about us. But there is something really significant that God wants to do, and we do need each other. That means that I need you. That means you look at the other person, and you say, well, they need me, and I need them. I'm going to value them, and I'm going to serve them. I'm going to value their contribution and encourage it, but I'm also going to make my contribution. It's interdependent. It's a family. It's not a shop. And you know, you might look at your life and you might write yourself off and you might think, well, Mark, you don't know my situation. You don't know the challenges that I'm facing. You, you You don't know the baggage that I've got. You don't know my history. You don't know whatever it is. All of that, I understand, is important. But God has still gifted you and you still have an opportunity to serve. So I'm just going to just practically just talk through a number of ways that we can just... I've got some, I've got some cool diagrams for you now. So this is exciting. And, um, well, I find it exciting anyway. Okay, so imagine that you've, first you've got your gifting. This is how, how, do, we, how do we decide then, if we've all, we've all been given these celebrations, we've all part of the body, what part do we have to play Exactly. You know, some people, you you might be just, oh, I'm there, Mark. I want to serve, but I just don't know where and I don't know how. Well, I'm going to try and answer that question for you today, if I can, or at least start to. Firstly, we've got the question of, well, what are we gifted in? Some people are really gifted with people. You you know, if if you're not one of those people, (laughs) and you probably know if you are, that you just walk into a room and you can just have a conversation with anybody. God, that's a gift. That is a gift. People underestimate the power of just having good people skills, being able to read people well, being able to hold a conversation, listening well, all of these things. There's things you can learn, but sometimes people just know that that is the way they're wired. They're people people. But some people are not people people. Some people are more practical people. I'm not one of those people. I I, I'm don't I'm learning this, but every time I try and do something practical, I just I feel the resistance of of my my just natural inability. Do you know what I mean? I was just kind of like I have to just. It's like Jonah was helping me a little while ago, and just kind of like I, I can work it out, and I can try and do all of these things, and I can try. Okay, I can just even putting a mirror up when. Poor Esther, bless her. We took her mirror down about three months ago. She hasn't had a mirror in her room. And every time, she's says, Daddy, can you do it? And I've just been putting it off. And I've been putting it off because when I first put the mirror up, I had all these bits of paper that told me where, how far things needed to be apart. And I just had this thing. I just put pencil there, pencil there, drill, drill. But I've lost the bit of paper. And so I'm putting it off because I just now just feel the resistance of my inability to do this with ease. And so I know I can do it, and I will do it, but it's just not, it just doesn't come naturally to me. Some of you will just think, oh, I could just do that in my sleep. I'd love to do that. It just comes naturally. You know, you see some of these guys, and when they, when they pick up a screwdriver, you just kind of, they do something with it, and you just think, how on earth is it possible to do it? And they just have a way of just kind of like working with tools. It just seems to come naturally. It's a gift. But then you might have other people just like, they'll sit down and have a conversation, and they'll just... Don't know where to start. Don't know what to do with this person. You feel the resistance of your just natural tendency to not be that good at that stuff. Right? I'm not one of those people. We've all got a different different giftings. And so what are your people have you got people skills? Have you got practical skills? strengths, spiritual gifts, that's a massive subject, we can't really talk about that, but are there things that you know God has given you that just are are just from the Holy Spirit? Are there talents that you've got that that the Holy Spirit has just fine-tuned and made effective and fruitful? People ask you to do the same things over and over again? You know, your gifting makes room for you, it opens the door. If you're having to bash down the door of an opportunity to get involved in something, and, and, and you feel the resistance, it might just be you're not gifted in that area. But if you just turn up and you get the job without even an interview... You know that something's going on, okay, because they've heard about you. Okay, so gifting. Secondly, passion. It's really important that we serve in an area we're passionate about. Now, obviously, um, we, not many of us are passionate about cleaning the bathroom, right? Some of you are, but you still have to clean the bathroom. But this is, as we lean towards our main areas of service, we want to ask the questions, what energizes me? What creates joy? What was I doing where the time just flew by? when was the last time you were doing something and and the day just went like that and you just thought i just loved it where did the time go there's a, there's a there's a sense that actually if that's if that's you've experienced that that might be something you're passionate about you're gifted in what stirs you what are the things you stay up late at night talking about what are the things you complain about when they're not right what are the things that you just you that, that actually make you really really cross when no one does just recognize those areas and think, that, is, that could be an area that I'm passionate about. And if I'm passionate, that's something that perhaps God has, is stirring up in me. Thirdly, where's the need? Where's the opportunity? The notices you need. You know, sometimes it's, it's possible for somebody kind of, I was talking to someone the other day, and you know, when you have, you're kind of, you're clearing, doing the clearing up in the kitchen or whatever it is, and you've got people over, and there are some people that will just notice that stuff needs doing. And so they'll, they'll, they'll get the rubber gloves on, they'll get doing the wet washing up, they'll get helping. And then there are other people that will just stand there and just quite happily watch you do it. And it's not as if they're being selfish, it's just that they're just, they're just, just thought doesn't occur to them to help. Because the need is not on their radar. Some things, I wonder what things, you go away from church on a Sunday or, or just in the life of the community of the church, that you come away thinking, why did no one do that? And you notice it. Why did, why did no one, someone should talk to that person? Have you, ever, have you ever said that? Someone should. It's a great phrase to say to yourself. Some, someone should just, you know, make that better. So someone should think about that. Somebody, could it be that someone's you? Could it be that God has put that on your radar because it's something that you're passionate about, gifted in, and there's an opportunity? You know, sometimes you need, you, sometimes you need to see the gaps in order to realize that there is an opportunity. But let's look beyond gaps. Let's look to see what isn't that could be, what, how things could be better. And so as you look at all those things, gifting, passion, and need, If if you're just operating in your gifting, then, well, actually, you might not be serving other people. If you're just operating in your passion, you might not actually be helping people because you might not be gifted in that area. If you're just doing the needs, then you're not going to be joyful in what you're doing because you're just going to grind out a kind of like an existence of, well, faithful service, faithful service. I don't really enjoy it. I'm not very good at it, but it needs to be done. Someone's got to do it, so I'll do it. Listen, if that's you, there might be someone out there who will love to do what you're doing, but you're, you're actually in the way. You might need to just pop that down and just see, let someone else see the gap. Because there'll be other people in the church that God has gifted and is passionate. And so where, where do we, we want to live? We want to live right in the middle. Where well, we're faithful in serving others. We're fulfilled because we're doing what we're passionate about. But we're also fruitful because we're using our gifts. See, God has made the body beautiful and unique and full of difference so that each one of us bring our different contribution and, and make a real difference. I hope that's helpful. I've got some bits of paper I want you to take away. And I want you to reflect on what those things might be for you. If we look at the life of the church, this is very, again, this is very focused on the church community. I know that we have opportunities to serve in our families. And that, that's priority number one for us we have got families. But we also have the workplace and all of that. Next week, I'm going to, next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about our mission, how, how we go into the world. But right now, we're thinking about serving as a family, each other. So there's, there's buildings, there's hospitality, tea and coffee, welcome team, there's tech, there's digital media, worship, children's, there's alpha, there's world missions, there's prayer. They're serving a local community with the Parkinson Society that we support. There's toddlers groups that could happen that aren't happening. There's publicity, visiting people, uh, family ministries, over 60s, unemployed, men's, women's, business, finance, the list could go on. There's a, and there's, all, there's a lot that's there, but there's a lot that's not there. That maybe you're thinking, I'd love it. I'd love it if this is happening right now. Somebody here might be thinking, why is... Why is this not on there? Why has Mark not thought of that? Someone should. That could be you. Anyway, I'll just leave that with you. Okay. And you know, on all of this, okay, the greatest goal of all, why does God give us gifts? Why does God call us to be a family that loves each other? Because he wants wants to be glorified. And there is no greater goal. You see, in all of these things, we serve each other, but... But as we're serving, as I'm serving you, I'm, I'm I'm serving Jesus. I'm serving Jesus by serving you. As and, and now it's about then it becomes about His worthiness, not about anybody else's worthiness. Let's just keep serving Jesus together. The greatest goal. Let's read this together. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong, to Him belong glory and dominion forever. And ever. So what do we do then? Just just as I finish, we serve with the strength that God provides. Some of us might be thinking, you might be thinking, I really wanna I really want to serve, I really want to get involved, really want to I want to find out whatever kind of my particular calling in life is or my particular ministry, but I just don't feel strong enough. I just don't feel good enough. All right. I I just don't feel worthy. And it's really easy to, to write ourselves off. And Mark, you don't know what I, you don't know the mistakes I've made. And if people knew, they would think, and if, what if I fail and what if I get it wrong? And I just don't know that I've got what it takes. Let me just encourage you. Peter just says, serve with the strength that God supplies. It reminds me of Gideon, you know, the story of Gideon in the Bible and Judges, and an angel comes to him, and he's this trembling weak man, the weakest of his clan, the weakest in his family, and, 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 he's, and he's hiding threshing grain in, the, in, in, a, in, a, in a shed, which is totally ineffective, but just he was so scared. An angel comes and says, arise, mighty man of Allah. And he's thinking, who, me? And the angel says this to him, go, in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. Go and serve in the strength you have. Just, just serve as you are. And God will find a way for you to use your gifts. Be faithful where you are. Be trusted with the small things Jesus said. Just, just try, just start, just serve. You can be trusted with little, you'll be trusted with much. And as you serve and as you start, it could be as simple as just saying, you know, I'm just going to commit to serving tea and coffee. I can do that. And it might be that that leads to other things. And as you serve, your character will grow. And as your character grows, your influence will grow. And because some of these ministries require somebody who's mature. And just because you want to do it doesn't mean you'll do it right now. There's a process. But just let me encourage you, go with the strength you have. Serve with the strength you have. Whatever that is, just a small thing, whatever that might be. But as we do, let's remember that Jesus has served us first. Jesus served us first. That is a foot, by the way, if you can't see it. It's a foot. And it's a very clean foot. It's probably nothing like the foot that Jesus washed. You see, when Jesus saw his disciples, and they had all gathered together for the in the upper room and they were on their way to be talking about all all the things that would be coming Jesus got down on his knees and he took up well this is a tea towel but he took up a towel and he he, the, the creator of the universe the king of kings the lord of the lords before he asked them to do anything for him he said let me do something for you I'm going to serve you And he took on his waiter's towel and he got down on his knees and he washed their muddy feet, even the feet of Judas. It didn't matter who they were, he just loved them as they were. And for some of us, you know, we need to realize this all might feel completely beyond us and we just think, Mark, you just don't know how tired I am. Well, maybe what you need to do today is you need to just recognize that Jesus loves you and he wants to serve you. And he has served you first. He has served you as an example. And he has served you to show his love. If then the Lord, if then, this is what Jesus said, if then your Lord and teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. You see, Jesus knew that our greatest challenge is not actually working out what our gifts are. It's not actually working out what our passions are. It's not actually working out what area of service we're going to get involved in. And I I want to help you do that. Our greatest challenge is, is our own hearts. Our greatest challenge is that we don't want to get down on our knees. We don't actually want to serve sometimes. And so what's Jesus done? He's done it first. He's served you. He's shown you what it's like to be loved, and he's done it not simply by washing your feet physically, as he did for the disciples, but he did it on the cross, so that each one of us might take up the towel and say, I'm not going to throw in the towel, I'm going to take it up, and I'm going to take it up in whatever way Jesus gives it to me, whatever small thing that he's asking me to do, because when I do that, I'm demonstrating that I love his people, and I love him. It's a simple thing to pick up a towel, isn't it? It's a simple thing to take a tea towel and think, I'm going to do something with that. And what I do with that will be determined by how much time and energy I've got. But the decision just to take up the towel and to say, I'm going to take the posture of a servant. And Lord, whatever you think I can do right now, I want to do. It might not be much, but this is what I have. And when we do what He asks us to do, when we obey Him, when we serve Him, it will lead to us being more fulfilled, more fruitful, more faithful. And we will know His pleasure in serving because the thing that consumers just don't understand is that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's not be default consumers. Let's be those who give as servants by design. And when we do that, God will be glorified. His people will be seen as his disciples. And his kingdom will advance as we join in with his purpose. What a great part we can play. So let's pray together. And maybe just as we just respond, as we just consider, let's remember God's faithfulness to us because that is the thing that sustains us. And if all you need to do this morning is just thank Jesus for his faithfulness and just start a journey of saying, Yes, I'm gonna pick up I'm gonna pick up this towel, the towel of service, and I'm gonna say, Jesus, just lead me on. Lead me to an area that I can just make a difference in someone else's life. Let's let's respond together. Let me pray. And then we're gonna sing this song. As a way of just saying thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Father God, I just thank you this morning, Lord, that you have put us together as a family that we can demonstrate your love. You've put us together as a body that we can actually be about your works and your business. We can be your hands and feet. We can, we can go where you would go. We can do what you would do. But we don't do it by ourselves. We do it together. We need each other. And the only way we're going to stay together is if we serve each other in love. And so, Lord, we want to do that. We want to pick up that towel of service. And we do, Lord, please just help us to find the areas that that we're passionate in, that we're gifted in, that there's an opportunity, Lord. We want to be open to your Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us so that we can just lean in towards fruitfulness and, and lean in towards faithfulness, lean in towards real fulfillment in serving you. Because we know that when we obey you, when we know that when we offer our lives to you, that you are faithful to us, you keep your promises. By this love, all people will know that you're my disciples. Lord, that's what we want. We want to be known as your disciples, the kind of disciples that would do what you would do, the kind of disciples who pick up that towel of service and say, Jesus, I just want to love people the way you love me. Help me to do that. Perhaps here there's people this morning who just have been set back. Perhaps you picked up that towel and you've got burnt out and you just feel like throwing it in. Let Jesus just serve you in this moment. Let Jesus just speak to you and reassure you that his love is not dependent upon your activity. That he's got you. That he's going to empower you. He's going to give you what you need. Perhaps you've tried stuff and you've failed in the past and you just feel ashamed and you just, you just got your head down and you don't want to stick it above the parapet again in case it gets shot off. Perhaps this morning you just need to know that God just loves you. And just like Peter failed Jesus and he denied him even three times, Jesus reinstates him and says, do you love me? That's all I need to know. Do you love me? Of course I love you. Do you love me? Of course I love you. That's all you need. You just need to love him. And he'll lead you into a new fruitful future. So Lord, I just pray your blessing upon each one of us now. Help us, Father God, to find that that place of fruitfulness, that place of faithfulness, that place of fulfillment in serving you. But Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that all of this is from you. It's all for you. It's all because of you. And said Lord, we just look to you as we, as we finish this service. We look to you, to your great faithfulness. Because that is where our hope lies. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song together, shall we?